0: What's going on everybody? This is Alex Fishbein back with you again on The Atlantic Files. Now, if you follow our Twitter here at Atlantic Files, you would have seen that I said the founder and one and only head of Basketball Society, Martin Soares was going to join me today, or this week, uh, to go over some draft recap stuff. Some things came up. He had to coach uh, some more people signing up for Basketball Society Elite Training. So, in that case, he will be joining us probably next week. We'll see um, and, and line our schedules up and try and get that going. So, for this week, it's just me. Um... We will be talking draft recap here. We will kind of be just scratching the surface. We're going to go more into depth when we go over each team's year in review coming up. Um, Because since we have not done that yet, we're also kind of waiting for the award show to happen to see who gets Rookie of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, so on and so forth. So... Kind of waiting for that a little bit as well, but the year in review episodes will be on their way as well. So, as I said, Martin was doing Basketball Society Elite training uh, sessions. Um, As I've been saying in recent episodes, if you would like to better yourself in the game of basketball, definitely head over to BasketballSocietyOnline.com and check out the Basketball Society Elite Training. You can check out the bios of our coaches there, as such as Martin Sores himself. You can sign up for some sessions. You can see how much sessions cost, so on and so forth. Um, he is really on the court. this man lives breathes eats sleeps basketball so if you're wanting to learn from somebody who is dedicated to not only making you better but dedicated to the game itself then look no further than basketball society elite training and head coach founder and all around goat martin sores so We have some draft things to talk about. So, we're going to start here. Well, first off, by saying that the Toronto Raptors didn't get anybody. They didn't have any picks. So, naturally, they're not going to draft anybody. (laughs) So, I have this whiteboard here that outlines the projected starting five of each team in the Atlantic. The people they ended up drafting, the people they drafted and traded away. And the first team I have on here is none other than the Philadelphia 76ers. So the projected starting five I have here, now I have a little bit of a slash on the shooting guard because we still have to wait and see in free agency what happens to really see who is going to be there. I mean, we have to wait and see a lot of things, for, especially for the Sixers in free agency, to see what is going to happen and who's going to be in what position. But right now, I'm not including any free agents outside of the team. And with their starting five, projected starting five, I have Simmons. For shooting guard, I have Fultz slash J.J. Redick then Robert Covington, Dario Saric, Joel Embiid. Now, one of the biggest storylines for the Sixers here is going to be Markel Fultz. Are you going to trade him? Do you not have the confidence in him to return to the player you thought he once was, so you're going to trade him in hopes that other teams uh, still value him very highly? Or... Are you going to keep that faith in him while he is still only about 20, 21 years old and keep him and try and trade somebody else like Robert Covington, Dario Saric, whoever it may be? Now, the next storyline, which was a very feel-good story of a hometown guy getting drafted by the hometown team, that his mother works for, uh, single mother, by the way, they drafted Mikal Bridges with the 10th overall pick, which is what I was hoping the Sixers would do. I thought Mikal Bridges really fit very, very well, especially alongside a guy like Ben Simmons, which we talked about on the last episode. And if you guys also listen to the Underdog podcast, which... I really hope you do, the Underdog Sports Podcast, uh, which is the main podcast of the Underdog Sports Network. I jumped on there for a live mock draft with a, a few of guys on there, the uh, head of Tankathon, one half of the Hardwood Homies, and, of course, uh, the head of Underdog, Chris Hurrodell. So um, if you didn't check that out, Go listen to that, because even though it's a mock draft before the draft happened, there's still a lot of good information on there and a lot of uh, scouting stuff that a lot of us put out there. So if you want to learn about some of these guys, we did bring to the table was some information about some of these guys. Um, but on there, I also said that I we all collectively agreed that the Sixers were going to take Mikhail Bridges, and they did. And everyone was rejoicing. The whole city of Philadelphia was happy about it. Um, You could see how ecstatic Mikal and his mother were. It was great. I mean, Villanova kid grew up around here as well. On the Sixers. Plenty of people happy. Then Woj hits us with a Woj bomb. At number 16... Phoenix selects Zaire Smith, then trade him and the Miami Heat 2021 first round pick to the Sixers for Mikal Bridges. Now, my initial thought right away, without looking anything up, without diagnosing anything, was to be upset. Personally, I liked Mikal Bridges. Like I said, he's a hometown guy, so it was a feel-good story, and it made me feel good. <laughs> it's like a feel-good story is supposed to make you feel. It made me feel good. I'm not going to lie about it. But after digesting it and really looking up what exactly could happen, this 2021 first-round pick from the Miami Heat could really turn into something very very valuable. The Miami Heat are not on an upward trend of any sorts. Um their best players right now look like they're going to be heading out the door. It looks like Dragic will probably be heading out the door. It looks like Hassan Whiteside will probably be heading out the door. So in that case, we have a very close to retirement Dwayne Wade, uh Justice Winslow, Josh Richardson, and Tyler Johnson as your best players on the team. So, there's not much to look forward to if that is really your core, because if I if, if I had a gun to my head and I had to guess when Dwayne Wade was going to retire, I'd say within the next two seasons. I'm not saying he's terrible right now like he still can produce and have an impact like we saw with game two against the Sixers when he really took over and and the Heat ended up winning but he's also nowhere close to the same Dwayne Wade that won all the championships with LeBron and without LeBron and really carried the Miami Heat And made the Miami Heat into the force that they used to be. On top of that, Justice Winslow, who showed some promise early on in his rookie season, really seems to have plateaued already. Josh Richardson is just way too inconsistent. And Tyler Johnson's even more inconsistent than that. So, this 2021 pick could be very, very interesting. Also, given the fact that the one-and-done rule might be completely erased by then. They, they, that's when they can really start taking a look at the prep guys instead of having to wait for them to go to college and everything but at the same time this is 2021 so you gotta wait the 2019 draft the 2020 draft and then you get that 2021 draft within the next three seasons Miami might have been able to pick some people up, draft some people within the last two seasons and be better than what they are right now. It's going to be tough in three seasons. I mean, not many teams uh, sink from, especially from where they were all the way to where they are now and where they could be potentially next season or the season after and come all the way back in three seasons. But that's still three years of potential moves that could happen either way, it's a very valuable pick and the Sixers get the second guy on their big board. Macau Bridges obviously being their first, but they said that Zaire was right there it was, it was like one a1b I, I believe is what Brett Brown said now Zaire great kid I mean really looks to have a lot of promise younger than Macau. Uh, people are really saying he's going to be a better defender than him, which could be a toss-up because Mikal has some great defensive skills himself. But Zaire has, I mean, if not the most athleticism in this draft, pretty close to it. And he gives the Sixers a guy who can at least defend the best guard on the other team. Maybe not right away, but... He projects to be almost like a Avery Bradley type of player, and that isn't bad. Um, he, now he doesn't have the offensive game that that Bradley showed in like Boston. Um, there, he still has a lot of offensive abilities to work on. He's not a guy that works really in ISO or works off the dribble really at all unless it's using his athleticism and dunking at the rim so while they don't get a guy who can create with the ball they do get a big time defender which means now you don't have to put Robert Covington on guys much much faster than him and just try and hope that his length will bother them enough now you have a guy that along with TJ McConnell, couldn't guard guys like Terry Rozier, who might be a little bit quicker than the rest of the team. But then you look back at it and you say, well, they're not really going to have Terry Rozier next next time around because Kyrie is going to be back. So it's a little bit different. <laughs> but Zaire still a solid pick. Uh, it, really... Most of the Sixers fans are just upset because it was such a great story to get Mikal Bridges, that local guy. And so after trading him and the fact that they traded him and Macau was still like in an interview about what it meant to be playing at home and everything and he didn't know he was traded. And so everyone was like, oh, it's classless, blah, 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 acting like this never happens before. Um but it's a business. These guys are still looking to make the best move possible and trying to get a championship. Whether it's the right move or not, we're going to have to wait and see. We're going to have to see how it pans out. Could be a few seasons before we even see a glimpse of whether it's a good move or not. So it's going to be a while. are other two picks, uh, at the end of the first round, the Sixers got Landry Shamet. Or Landry Shamet. sorry. Um... He's a shooter, just plain and simple. There's not really all that much else he's known for. He, I mean, shot north of 40% for his career in, in college. So that that's huge. I mean, the Sixers need to surround Ben Simmons with plenty of shooters. We saw that this past season and in the playoffs how if the shooters are on, this team is crazy because Ben Simmons will find them. And the fact that these shooters are going to have more... Open shots, especially if A, Ben Simmons gets a jump shot, and B, Joel Embiid is hitting his shots, so uh, getting another shooter is never a bad thing. Also, on top of that, speaking of shooters in the second round, the Sixers ended up getting Shake Milton, another shooter that shot north of 40% uh, for his career in college, so another guy that could potentially surround Ben Simmons and be another outlet for him to pass to as well. Now, I was hoping the Sixers would keep Kostas Antetokounmpo at the very end uh, just to I mean, just to see if he could turn out to be anything close to his brother Giannis. But of course, they traded him as well. So Really, that's that for the Sixers. Those those are my initial reactions. I mean, we're like I said, we're going to go more in depth about this, about how it fits with the team and how the team might be able to set up around uh, Simmons, especially with these rookies now that they've just drafted and, and any potential free agent moves they would make. But that's my initial reaction with the Sixers. So moving on to the Knicks. Uh, I have their projected starting five as Nidale slash Moutier because even they don't really know who their starting point guard is. Um, Courtney Lee, Tim Hardaway Jr., Chris Saps Porzingis, Inez Cantor. They ended up selecting Kevin Knox and Mitchell Robinson. I really like the Mitchell Robinson pick, especially because it was very, very late it was in the second round i believe it was in the 40s um so instead of having to take a huge risk on him in the first round or trading up to to go get him they were able to just uh, like sit back and let him fall into their laps so i like that pick especially because it's a it's a high risk high reward pick but the risk wasn't much because he fell so far. So now it's like, hey, he could turn out to be something great. Or he might not, but you didn't waste much on him. So there's that. For the Kevin Knox pick, I was a little surprised they went with Kevin Knox. I know that they've had some great workouts with him and some great meetings with him. Um And he spoke very highly of the Knicks in any kind of interviews that he had. But at that point, especially since a guy like Michael Porter Jr. was still on the board because he fell that far. I figured they would go... that Because there's no way going into this night they thought that Michael Porter Jr. was going to be there for them at number 10. I mean... Nobody really thought that. Experts, um, you know, fans, anybody. Everybody was thinking Michael Porter Jr. would have been taken in like the top six or seven. Ended up dropping all the way to fourteen to the Denver Nuggets. Almost didn't even get picked in the lottery. So I was really thinking that the Knicks were gonna go for him but they ended up going with Kevin Knox. I don't hate the pick. I think Kevin Knox is going to be decent. There, There's just this weird gut feeling that he's also not going to be great. He'll be decent. But not great, which is what the Knicks need the most. They found their centerpiece in Chris Porzingis. Now they need... That 1B option. They got 1A. They need 1B. And can Knox be that 1B? Can he be the wing that the Knicks need to keep up with the rest of the NBA? Moving forward, I'm not really sure. I'm leaning more towards no than I am yes. And with the ninth overall pick, and a guy who's still a, a very high risk with his injury issues, but also projected to be quite good in Michael Porter Jr., I, f- I just feel like at that point you would have gone with him. Or even Mikhail Bridges. Like uh, Mikhail Bridges was another guy that they were really looking at. And a lot of people said that they loved him, but he wasn't there. I mean, obviously, if they, if, uh, if there were guards still there, like, um, let's say Trey Young or Colin Sexton, I definitely believe they would have gone with with them. I mean, easily. Uh, but, as we all saw, they were not there. (laughs) So, overall with the Knicks, I feel okay about it. I like the Robinson pick. The Knox pick is okay. But I'm not, like, thrilled or over the moon about it, either. So, A lot like the Knicks themselves. Moving on to the Boston Celtics. Now, projected starting five. Kyrie. Brown. Hayward or Tatum. Morris or Tatum. I mean, you really could put Hayward or Tatum in the three or four. Or if you want to keep an actual four there, that's up to them. And then Horford at the five. Now... One thing that the Celtics have been, that every expert, pundit, whatever you want to call them, has beaten the Celtics up about has been rebounding. Uh, Brad Stevens also harps on rebounding almost like every press conference after a game that they lost, at least that's what it feels like, and they were given a gift in Robert Williams falling all the way down to them at 27 this is another pick that everyone was like why is he still on the board none of these people want him is there something we don't know that these other teams know about him that's that's the reason he's not getting picked what is going on now I know a lot of teams talked about like attitude issues And um, him just kind of not giving a full motor. But at the same time, when you're getting out of the lottery, I feel like you would still take a gamble on a player like that because his skills have shown that he's a pretty good player. And now the Celtics get him and address a need at the same time. That's just... That's great drafting. <laughs> they didn't have to trade up for him. So they didn't have to waste anything. And they addressed their one of their biggest needs and rebounded. Now there was something. They were talking about how he was supposed to show up for a press conference at like 11 a.m. today or something like that. Today being Friday when I'm recording this. Um, and he didn't. They, they couldn't find him, like they couldn't reach him on his phone or anything and then didn't know where he went, which was kind of worrisome. I, I actually don't know how that ended out, but um that, that that's still just worrisome in and of itself. Overall, with the Celtics, I love it. No one thought he'd drop that low. Everyone thought they were going to have to go some sort of different route. But they end up getting a really good value pick down there. The Brooklyn Nets get a couple of, a couple of foreign guys here. They got. Alright, well, first off, for their projected starting five, I have Jeremy Lin, D'Angelo Russell, Damari Carroll, Ronde Hollis Jefferson, Jared Allen. Now they traded they, I mean I love this move. They traded Timothy Mozgov, they got his contract off the books, scrubbed clean. Traded Mozgov and two future second-round picks to the Hornets for Dwight Howard. First off, that's got to be an all-time low for Dwight Howard. You got traded for Timothy Mozgov, who has one of the worst contracts in the NBA? You go from MVP candidate, defensive player of the year, multiple years to getting traded for Timothy Mosgoff and a couple of second rounders. That's got to be demoralizing, man. He got traded for a bag of chips and some napkins. (laughs) Like, That's just bad. But the Brooklyn Nets, and then, actually, this is the icing on the cake, and then the Brooklyn Nets buy him out so, not only do you get traded for a bag of chips and some napkins, but they say, hey, we might be one of the worst teams in the league, but we still don't really want you on our team. Whoo, man. That's got to hurt. That's got to hurt. It's got to hurt your soul. <laughs> but the Nets drafted Zanon Musa, Rodion's Kurix. And they did draft Diallo from Kentucky, but traded him away. Now, Musa, from what everyone has been saying, from what it's looked like uh, in his game tape, is a scoring machine from overseas. But one thing that a lot of people have been saying is that he's a selfish player, not a team guy, uh, not a locker room guy, anything like that. Um... It's one thing to be that way in a country you might be familiar with, with other players uh, like from who are from around you. But once you get into a league where you might not be one of the best scorers anymore, you might not be one of the biggest players anymore, you might not be uh, buddy-buddy with some of the better players around the league anymore. Sometimes attitudes change like that because you got to prove yourself all over again. Nobody here in the US really knows who you are. Sure, we we've, we've looked at tons of scouting reports and tried to catch as many highlight clips as we can. But we don't exactly know who you are on and off the court. So it's a whole it's a it's a time ...to show a whole new image. It's time... ...to... ...reinvent yourself... ...if... ...what you were before... ...wasn't exactly the best. I think that... ...it's it's a very, very good situation... ...for him coming into the Nets... ...because he'll kind of get a... ...mostly like a free reign and be able to do some stuff he probably wouldn't be able to do on better teams who are contending for the playoffs or contending for the championship. But it's also going to be tough because players like that who, if he is as selfish as they say and everything, playing on a bad team and not getting all that much playing time or not, get, or not being given the green light, they tend to act... They they tend to be pissed off by that. And so it's going to kind of test his character and see, will you step up and show us that you're going to to bring this scoring ability to our team? Or is your attitude going to hold you back from that? And so... but, But for Brooklyn, I like that pick because, I mean, you have nothing but time. Like, you still are another handful of seasons away from really truly contending so i like the pick there's just a lot of mystery surrounding it overall though i like what the nets have been doing especially with the moves to get some contracts off the books i hope they keep going but that's it for me this week guys Thank you for listening to another episode of The Atlantic Files. Brought to you by BasketballSocietyOnline.com society online.com, and the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. Make sure you guys check out both websites. A lot of great content on both of them. Uh, for Basketball Society, we have a summer camp coming up. You can sign up to uh, uh, sign up to go to the camp on Eventbrite. It is based in New Jersey. We have a lot of cool coaches coming from the New Jersey area, so definitely check that out. If you go to our website, BasketballSocietyOnline.com, you'll see a flyer for it on the right-hand side. Click on it, and you can sign up for it, uh, and, and that'll be on Eventbrite. It'll have the prices and everything. It's You can sign up for the whole week. You can sign up for a day, whatever it may be, and... Um, And then we also have clothing on its way for Basketball Society, so keep your eyes out for that. T-shirts, hats, shorts, pants, hoodies, whatever. They will be coming with Basketball Society's logo straight across. So make sure you're ready for those. Anyway, thank you guys for listening to another episode. I'll catch you guys next week. Peace!